Hello and welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast with me, Toby Webb. And joining me in today's podcast is Justin Howard Sneed. So, Justin, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Toby. Very nice to see you. Yes, good to see you again. We've uh, worked together before on sustainable wine conferences and discussions. Um, before we begin then, we're going to talk about regenerative agriculture. We're going to talk about your work at Dartington. But actually, just tell us, uh, the listeners, a bit about who you are, Justin, because you've had a bit of a varied career. Uh, well, yes, I've had my finger in a few pies in my time, but I'm a UK-based master of wine. Um, I spent 15 years as a buyer um, in various fields, particularly for uh, supermarkets, and then in the direct-to-consumer space. Um, I also, for the last 14 or 15 years or so, I've had my own little wine project in the Roussillon. So I, I have four hectares of old vine of Grenache and Carignan called Domain of the Bee, um, and I market and sell that direct-to-consumer, mostly in the UK. But I, my main activity is consulting to a range of different people, um, mostly on com- commercial side of things, uh, routes to market and uh, branding and um, yeah, buying and, and commercial. Um, and I've recently been involved with uh, the Dartington Trust, which um, is a very interesting entity that we'll talk about in a, in a little while, um, and have been learning a lot about the regenerative uh, side of viticulture, which is what I think we're t- going to spend much time talking about today. Yes, well, let's talk about regenerative. And then after that, let's talk about how that applies to the work at Dartington. So regenerative is is very interesting it's everywhere at the moment there are some people i know who think it's greenwash it's just rebadging what we've already been calling sustainability other people say it doesn't matter it's a term everybody can get behind so let's start out by talking about what it means to you justin um, is it an approach a paradigm or should it be a more codified rules-based system well, the way I'm looking at this is that um, the world has quite a big problem at the moment, which is one of climate change and diversity collapse. And the, 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 we really need to rethink the way we farm. And it's absolutely clear to me from what I've been reading about and understanding in the last couple of years that people who take a regenerative approach to agriculture are really onto something special, which is that um, a lot of the things we've done wrong in farming, um, too much uh, chemical input, um, too much... Um, grazing of the land to, 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 to denude and uh, erode our soils has actually re- caused us quite a significant uh, issue in the way we're farming and that the way to build back that soil is to adopt some regenerative practices. So I'm strongly of the belief that um, there shouldn't be or, or it's going um, it's going to prevent progress if we end up trying to certify too much. Uh, I think there's a lot of information that people can take on board as farmers of things that they can do that follow a regenerative approach that lead them in the right direction. So I think uh, it's really helpful for people to see what regenerative has to offer to work out which of the practices that they uh, would like to adopt and to start moving in the direction of regenerative. And that may mean that over time they move further and faster because as they see what they're doing starting to work. But I think if we say there's a very high bar of um, uh, certification, that prevents some people taking the first steps. So my message is let's start taking the first steps and see where we get to. And should regenerative mean organic? Well, I think for the same reasons that I think that then requires some certification. And clearly out there in the world, people are certifying themselves organic. There's also quite a lot who've decided not to for various reasons, Um, whether it's because they don't believe that organics work for them uh, or because they believe it's too expensive or the market isn't there. I think registering to be an organic certified producer creates some obstacles. So I think that it's absolutely valid, whatever the farming you practice at the moment, you can adopt some regenerative uh, practices that move you in a regenerative direction, whether you're conventional, organic, biodynamic, or whatever. And that even organic and biodynamic growers have got a lot to learn from the regenerative movement about how to handle 
um, soil and tilling and cover crops, which I think is something that a lot of organic and biodynamic producers have got into a sort of orthodoxy of how things should be done because it's been written down and codified. And actually, they need to break out of that in order to get even more um, supportive of the environment. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because over the years, there are those who've questioned the value of certification and eco labels in agriculture on the basis that the cart ends up driving the horse and you lose touch, you lose sight with innovation because you're too focused on a codified goal that someone else has set in order to reach a, a demographic. And there's a, a, a classic conversation about restraint on innovation. And on the other hand, in wine, we have Regenerative Organic Certified out of California, which Tablas Creek is a, is a founding member of. And, you know, it, I suppose it's up to the individual to work out what suits them and what kind of approach they want. Um, let's talk about cool climate viticulture uh, and regenerative, because this is really interesting. We'll talk about your courses in a minute, but regenerative is obviously easier in some senses where you have, you know, an onshore breeze and you have more consistent weather and, and so on, a bit like being organic. What are the challenges with cool climate viticulture and regenerative? And is there an evidence base that shows that it works? Well, again, a very good question. Um, I think your definition of cool climate viticulture requires a bit of uh, um, digging into because there's plenty of places in the world that consider themselves cool climate that are a great deal warmer than, say, the UK. So Kunawara in Australia or other parts, parts of um, North America um, definitely consider themselves to be cool climate. And some very, very successful producers are, are farming regeneratively there and doing a very good job of that. And um, when you talk about UK climate, I think we're talking about a fairly extreme coolness of climate and some other extremes of um, of humidity and some weather conditions here that uh, make some of the challenges of growing grapes more challenging. Um, and I think the answer is that because regenerative is a relatively new approach in viticulture, and you, you name check Tablas Creek, uh, I think they're a fantastic operation. I, I love what Jason's doing and um, you know, I'm a big fan. And I'm also not, uh, and, um, I'm not against certification. I think certification has its place and I think what they're doing is brilliant. Um, and I think that to be organic and to move in a regenerative direction is thoroughly to be encouraged. But I also think that people who are not organic can move in a regenerative direction and not worry about the certification. Um, and I think that in the UK, there is, um, there is plenty of scope for us to understand the principles of regenerative farming. There's plenty of farmers farming regeneratively, not farming grapes in the UK. And I think by starting to apply some of those principles of farming to viticulture, we can um, trace the path for regenerative viticulture in the UK. And that's really what we're trying to do at, at Dartington. We, we, we know this is early, early days. There aren't very many pioneers who've followed this road. There are a few organic and a few biodynamic producers in the UK and Sustainable Wine GB is started up, which is a, a great uh, uh, initiative to encourage more producers to see how they can do things sustainably. Part of that is adopting some of these techniques which are pro-regenerative. And the focus for regenerative for me is really focusing on the soil health, understanding the health of your soil and doing things that enhance the health of your soil rather than deplete it. Yes, you're right. There are some good examples in the UK. I spoke to the folks at Anchor Hill a couple of years ago, and there's a podcast with them on, on the Sustainable Wine website, which listeners might find interesting. And they're a really good example of an organisation that's gone down the um, the regenerative approach perhaps through the, the lens of, of biodynamics but you're right there are some good examples what are the unique challenges the UK might have for, for a, re a regenerative approach then I guess soil is one thing but biodiversity and pest control is, is another well yes and you asked about the challenges of 
cool climate viticulture. And I think in the last couple of years, certainly we've suffered from um, high levels of mildew um, and oidium mildew and detritus uh, are issues that can affect vineyards in, in cooler, wetter areas. Um, so I think my prescription for uh, regenerative approaches is that unlike organics, which insist that you cannot use certain products, there, there is the scope within the regenerative system to use products when they're absolutely required. And it, I guess, follows more of an IPM approach, integrated pest management approach, which is only using them in the doses that are the minimum required and absolutely when necessary. But I do think sometimes a little bit like people who may wish not to take antibiotics most of the time they get away with avoiding them, but just occasionally something comes along that causes them an issue and at that point you take the antibiotics. I think there is an approach that um, could be followed in the UK that minimises the use of fungicides, but um, probably also eliminates the use of herbicides by using mechanical methods instead, um, um, mechanical manual weed control and possibly by using animals to control weeds. Um, the use of uh, synthetic fertilizers because one of the principles of the regenerative approach is that nature will provide the minerals that you need if you have the right soil biology that soil biology will extract from the rocks from the mineral rocks and earth that you have around your vineyard the phosphorus and the nitrogen and all of the elements that your vine actually needs so working very closely with um, an understanding of the soil and what your soil needs and what plants it needs growing in it and cultivating those plants as cover crops is one of the ways, and, and, and using cover crops to make green manure is one of the ways of enriching your soil without using artificial fertilizer. Thank you. Yeah, some really interesting insights there. Um, I've I've heard rumours of um, possible alternatives being developed for for copper, which is really the key, I suppose, isn't it? When we come up with that solution um, to 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 a problem which copper doesn't always, <laughs> you know, it's the best we've got at the moment, as I as I understand it. That's going to be a real big step forward, I imagine, when when that happens. Well, and let's not uh, beat about the bush. Um, copper is a, is a chemical. Now, it may be d dug out of the earth in some form or another. Um, it's allowed for the use by organic producers, but because it's almost the only tool against some of the pests or the diseases they, they struggle with, uh, it's, it's overused frequently, um, and that is a problem. And it's all very well saying that you're organic, but if you, if you till your soil uh, 100% to control the weeds, you have uh, bare soil all the time, you're using a lot of copper, you haven't got very healthy soil. And therefore, you know, that I think the regenerative approach will help an organic producer to move in a direction where their soil is healthier, where their ground is covered, they've got a, a rich cover crop um, mix, um, and their wine will improve in quality. And sometimes, indeed, um, a lot of the regenerative farmers in the US, who are perhaps leaders in this, in this field, say, actually, you can increase your profitability by becoming regenerative. Your yields may go down a little, but your input costs go down massively. And the, the profit per hectare, and also the focus on um, shortening the chains between you and the consumer, that's a big focus of the regenerative approach. Uh, that can mean your business overall is much more profitable than if you're just producing a commodity in high volume to sell on the commodity market. There are lots of examples of this emerging now. It's very exciting around regenerative. I mean, I know of large-scale farmers in the US who I've spoken to have said, I was the only one who survived this drought because my soils held water uh, and everybody else b 
basically went bust. Equally, there's a study coming out in a couple of months from the cotton sector in India, which shows how farmers taking a regenerative approach have increased their income and done really well. And they've avoided actually the organic yield challenge where the conversion kind of kills your economics for several years. By taking a regenerative approach, they've actually broken through that, that difficult cycle in the cotton sector. So there are some really interesting examples out there. Before we ask you about the courses, uh, Justin, let me ask you about soil health. Um, one of our founding members of the Sustainable Wine Roundtable um, is an organization called Rose and Arrow. Um, and Rose and Arrow specializes in Oregon Pinot, and the, the wines are fantastic. And they go down seven meters to look at geological structures. I've never seen such a comprehensive soil analysis. Now they're making pretty premium wine, so that's kind of their, their USP. But is it your view that we don't go down far enough in soil when we're thinking about health? Are we focusing too much on the first six inches sometimes? Well, look, I know that a lot of the work in regenerative agriculture focuses on the first, say, 18 inches and it doesn't really go deeper than that because for most crops that's not really relevant. Almost rather uniquely in, in wine, vines, famously put their roots down very deep. Um, and so there is the potential to study deeper than that. But it's it's physically difficult to study deeper than 18 inches. You have to dig very big pits. Um, and to, to get a soil sample from deep that deep down requires you to dig a big hole or have a very, very uh, good corer that can go down deep into the soil and pull out a sample, which is not common in stony vineyard soils. So um, I, I think there's a huge amount of work to be done in the first six inches of soil that we haven't got anywhere near grasping in vineyards and I'm, I'm also not punting the line that this is a, a ready-made copper bottom solution for everybody that they can start doing tomorrow and will immediately work a lot of the problems of the trying to explain regenerative is it varies from one place to another depending on what your soil type is and what your microclimate is and there is no magic formula but there are some principles and i think the principles are that you really need to pay attention to what's living in your soil and there's more and more tools to do that have you come across um, biome makers who, who do DNA analysis of, uh, of soil samples and will tell you of you know, hundreds of species that are living there, uh, living happy lives? And I've been reading Merlin Sheldrake's book um, about fungi. I don't know if you've come across that, Entangled Lives. It's one of the most fascinating books I've been reading uh, in, in the last year. It's absolutely, uh, it's really it's on many, many levels. But from a social and human history point of view, it's a fascinating book. I definitely recommend it to, to anyone. Um, and you know, there's so much that we are beginning to grasp and understand about how soil actually works. Um, and as we understand that, we're learning how to take advantage of it for the things that we grow. Thank you. And you're now going to be bringing together some groups of viticulturists and others to talk about putting regenerative into practice. So let's talk a bit about that. Tell us about Dartington, the work it does, and, and then let's talk a bit about the courses you're putting on uh, and how you hope they may contribute to the lexicon of learning in regenerative. Absolutely. Well, look, Dartington is an absolutely amazing place. Um, it's a, an old Devon estate, um, a house dates back till early medieval times. Um, it was acquired in the 20s by um, a couple called Leonard and Dorothy Elmhurst. Um, and Do Leonard was a Yorkshire farmer with a, a real interest in innovative agriculture. Um, Dorothy was, he, when he married, I think, the third richest woman in America, which definitely helped provide the money to buy the estate and also to back the initial experimentation. And, and they were using the land there, there's 1,200 acres, um, for all sorts of agricultural experiments, some of which have persisted into the mainstream. And um, since then, the, the estate has become a centre for learning. 
Um, it's held uh, a, a, a boys' school in the in the sixties and seventies and eighties. Um, there's the Dartington Art School. Uh, there's the famous summer music school that happens every year. Um, and it's a centre now for arts and learning. Schumacher College uh, is based there, um, perhaps one of the world leading places in, in uh, the study of ecology. Um, and they have gardens and growing spaces where they grow vegetables and um, fruit and things for the, uh, for the people who are studying there. Uh, and it's a wonderful community. And wine is something that we are now starting to add to the list of things you can learn about at Dartington. So some of that is at the uh, consumer level. Uh, we're running um, evening tastings. We're doing one with Jancis at the end of next week. Um, we are running weekend courses to learn how to, uh, well, learn about wine and how it's made in a, in a fairly straightforward way. We're getting your hands dirty and actually crushing some grapes. And that's called the crush course. But in this particular context, we're, we've um, laid on two courses uh, focus really on growing grapes and at Schumacher there are now uh, a chance to do an MSc and a BSc in food and farming particularly with the regenerative approach and that regenerative knowledge and the experts at Schumacher in how to farm regeneratively uh, have been applying their brains to how this might work for vines and viticulture. So the first thing we've got is a two-day course in March which is really it's called regenerative agriculture for grape growers so it's a day on what is regenerative agriculture, what are the principles, how does it work, and then a day on how can we apply this to wine. And we will be talking to a bunch of people from different parts of the world about what they're doing in regenerative viticulture. Um, and I think for anyone in the UK viticulture scene who wants to just get a handle on what regenerative means, I think it's a great way to do that. And we very much welcome anyone who wants to book. Um, I'll tell you about how to book in a minute, but the other course we're running in May is a, is a more general five-day course focused on all aspects of uh, growing grapes that you might call non-conventional. So we have a very good conventional grape growing education uh, in Plumpton here in the UK, um, but we do feel that there are lots of things that you can do beyond conventional. Um, first of all, uh, with the sustainable wine GB certification, so we've got Chris Foss coming down to tell us about all about that, um, we're exploring organic and biodynamic and regenerative, and also some of the business practices that go around regenerative, uh, around shortening the chains and having local food networks, etc. So we have, I think, a very interesting five-day course in, in May, June, which is also bookable. And if anyone wants to know more, the best place to go is the dartington.org web website. So type in dartington.org and then click on courses. And if you scroll down the list of courses, you can sort them in various ways. But if you keep scrolling down the list, you'll find amidst all of the interesting courses to do with ecology and to do with uh, arts and uh, lots of things you can study, you can come and study at Dartington. There are these wine courses in March and in May. Um, so do go and have a look and come and join us if you'd like to. Thanks. And in, for those who can't, is there any ability afterwards to learn what, what's been discussed and some of the outputs? Well, one of the things we're really keen to do is to establish Dartington as a place where people who want to understand and learn about uh, regenerative culture in various respects, um, grape growing as well as other farming techniques and, and uh, other ways of doing business, um, we want to become a place where people can come and learn. And there will be an online execution of that. We haven't got specific plans to put directly online, but that will emerge in the coming year or two. So uh, keep an eye on Dartington if you want to know more and do, so do just sign up to the, to the mailing list if you want to be kept informed of everything that we're doing there.
Okay, and let's see, maybe you and I do another podcast in, in the summer, and you can feed us some conclusions from what's been learned in those courses. So that That'd be great. Great. Okay, well, good luck with those. I hope they sell out. Um, we're happy to promote them in the sustainablewine.co.uk uh, newsletter. And just a reminder to listeners that the Sustainable Wine website and podcasts are now the magazine of the Sustainable Wine Roundtable. And sustainablewine.co.uk is designed very much to have podcasts like this and to raise awareness and to discuss the issues. Um, but if you work in the wine in a wine business and you really want to get into the nuts and bolts of sustainability, then you should join the Sustainable Wine Roundtable and join 60 other leading wine businesses from um, enormous supermarkets to five hectare producers to discuss how we put sustainability into action and create a global reference standard and tools and collaboration initiatives to make that happen. So have a look at swroundtable.org. Uh, meantime, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Justin, thank you so much for your time today. No, it's been a great pleasure, Toby. Very nice to talk to you.